0: We've been studying the book of Romans, and it begins with the Apostle Paul introducing himself to the church in Rome. He's about to visit them, and he wants them to know more about himself, and what he will tell them helps them prepare for his ministry and the spirit of that ministry. We'll review what we've learned so far before moving forward in our text today, but first, let me welcome you to the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism and its Associate Fellowship, The Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism, and I'm the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. If you want to learn more about our work to multiply equipped and engaged evangelists and church planters around the world, go to traincpe.org. And to learn more about our local fellowship in Boise and our commitment to grow up Christians with the passion to see the life of Jesus go out to the nations, go to breadoflifeboise.org. In Romans chapter 1, verse 1, the first thing the Apostle Paul wants those he is writing to to know is that he considers himself to be a slave of Jesus Christ. His authority is not his own. It derives from his service to his master. He is like them, bound to Jesus by love and by his saving grace. From there, Paul will assert that he is also called to be an Apostle. He has been called out by Jesus through the circumstances of his life, To establish the church and lead it forward into the teachings of Christ. A servant, a slave. This is an expression of great humility. An apostle of Jesus Christ. It is a certainty of great authority. And these two things are not in contradiction. As Paul says, called to be an apostle. A slave of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle, and here Paul recognizes that he is called to be a sent one. That's what the word apostle means. He's not only a slave, but he's a sent one. He's one who's been sent out by God, and consistent with this idea of being an apostle or a sent one is our idea of a pioneering missionary who goes to some far reaches of the earth to establish Christ's message and Christ's church in some untouched part of the world, and Paul in this case is declaring this to be true of himself. He's been led by God and called by God to be sent out in this way. Of course, as we've mentioned already, and this is something we'll look at a little bit more fully, Paul is identifying himself here in the ranks of the 12 apostles. The authority that was placed upon them as the founders of the church also rests upon him. And Paul is saying that God clearly has worked and moved to generate this calling and this directing and this positioning of my life by his own sovereign hand. It's not something that he chose to do. It was imposed upon him by God's own calling. It's not merely a vocation that interested him. You know what I think I'll be? I'll be an apostle. It doesn't work that way. God had to call him. God had to direct him. As a result of being under that calling of God, Paul has an obligation to express his leadership, even to the church in Rome, and that's part of what he's doing here. He's establishing the fact that he has an obligation and a duty to provide leadership and instruction for them. He's to lead them, he's to give them direction, he's to actually go and inspect the life and health of that church, he's to instruct them and teach them, and he's not being presumptuous here of ministry, he's being obedient to his calling. I would just say here that there's nothing wrong with exercising the authority that God places upon you as his representative. Paul is not hoping to arrive at Rome in order to take a poll to find out what the attitudes of the church residing there so he could find out what kind of input they would receive from him. He's not claiming he's so open, he just wants to find out where the wind is blowing their lives so they can breathe into the sail of his life so he can tell them the things that they'd like to hear. That's not what he's doing. He's coming to them And he's claiming the right and the power and the authority to speak for them, the will and purposes of God upon their life because he sees God's sovereign hand bringing to that point and placing upon him that leadership. And this is not contradictory to humility. You can be humble. You can be humble and at the same time, you're not weak and you're not vacillating in your role. You know what you are because of what God has done in your life and how it is that God has brought you to that point. This is relevant for ourselves. Paul knows that God has sovereignly worked to bring this call upon his life. I'll give you a couple reference points here. In Galatians chapter 1, you can look at it later, Paul gives a testimony of how God has sovereignly called him out to ministry and service. And In that passage, in verse 15 of Galatians 1, Paul says that God set him apart for the ministry or the role of being an apostle to the Gentiles from before his birth in other words god was sovereignly working in all the situations and circumstances of his life before he was even born to bring him to the place in which god would impose upon him this profound calling. God was sovereignly working out all the details. And then Paul will, we read about it in Acts 26, Paul as a testament will say that at the point in which he was converted, when he turned his life to Christ, Christ again called him. Now he gets the call. The work is not only from God the Father appointing him and directing him from before he is born, but now Jesus Christ is appointing him at the point of his conversion. Let me read to you verses 16 through 18 of Acts 26 and that testimony. Paul has seen this overwhelming light He's on his way to Damascus to persecute the Christians who were there or to put them in chains. And as he's going, he's blinded by a light. He falls upon his knees and the Lord Jesus cries out to him and says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting thou me? And then he says, it's hard to kick against the goads. The word goads, you know, if you were leading oxen to plow a field, you'd put goads or pointy sticks on either side of them so they wouldn't get out of the rut. They would follow along in the pathway that you wanted to walk in while you were plowing the field. What Jesus is saying is, I've been putting all kinds of things in your life, directing you into God's calling upon your life, and you're resisting it. And you're not responding to it, and it's painful, isn't it? And you have to understand that part of Paul's aggressive persecution of the church is a way for him to stave off the convicting hand of the Spirit of God upon his life, turning him to Jesus Christ. He had been a member of the synagogue in which Stephen had come and declared the gospel of Jesus Christ and argued with the men of that synagogue. And it says they were defeated by Stephen's arguments. And so the next thing they did was they plotted to kill him. Stephen was arguing how that Jesus was the Messiah from scripture and they couldn't defeat his arguments so they decided to silence him and were told that Paul was the one who oversaw the stoning of Stephen who was the first martyr in the church. What's Paul doing? He's kicking against the goads. He's resisting the sovereign way in which God was trying to bring to him, bring him under conviction and bring him to himself. What we kind of learned from the story is the bigger you are, the harder you fall. On the way to Damascus, Paul falls under the light of the presence of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus says to him in that moment. He says, Rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to point you as a servant and a witness, there it is, to the things in which you have seen me, and to those things I will appear to you, in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, and that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are being sanctified or set apart by faith in me. So at Paul's conversion, the Lord Jesus is directing and calling him into this apostleship. And then in Acts 13, we read that Paul is brought back. He's ministering likely in the area of Tarsus where he is originally from, and he's had some influence there. And an early church leader by the name of Barnabas invites Saul to come back and work with him in the area of Antioch, which is a part of Syria now. So Paul comes and works with them in that region, and as he's working within that region, the churches gathered together to worship on one occasion. And as they're worshiping and they're fasting, seeking God's will and God's purpose for their lives and how they can impact the world, the Holy Spirit in some wonderful way communicates a direction to the body of Christ in that place. We're actually told in Acts chapter 13 that there were a number of individuals that God had laid his spirit upon to prophesy. In that moment, they hear from the Holy Spirit saying to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I called them. Now this is kind of interesting, you see. God the Father appointing Saul even before he's born, Jesus Christ meeting Saul on the road and appointing him at his conversion. Sometime after that, the Holy Spirit speaking to the church in order to appoint him and send him out into the mission field when the mission field was going out into this Gentile world and Gentile community. And all of this, God was sovereignly working. God was orchestrating all the circumstances of Paul's life to call him into apostleship, calling him to be sent out as a missionary for the sake of the gospel. What we can say here is that Paul understood that God had orchestrated and sovereignly led him to the place of ministry. This is important. If you're going to be impactful in your life, first, know you're not trying to gain things for yourself. Don't go out with selfish ambition. Be certain that what you do in your life is you live your life and surrender to the one who's redeemed you and purchased you with his own precious blood and and love. You're just bound to him as a slave. Not seeking your own will, but his will. That gives you a unique kind of authority that rises far above yourself. The next one is recognize the sovereign hand of God in the circumstances of your life, leading you to points of impact so that wherever you are in your life, whatever the difficulty is, whatever the challenge is, you can know God has brought me here and God has a calling upon my life and God can use me and God can equip me and live under that sense of God's sovereign call. So pay attention and recognize God's hand upon your life and the places where you find yourself. We're not flotsam floating along a mindless sea. We're individuals who are sent forth in the world, a world planned for us by God, God overriding and God seeing and God working. And even when contradictory things happen, God has promised that for those who love the Lord Jesus, he works all things together for good. My father used to say that the sovereignty of God is expressed in his pledge to make Satan eat dirt. I'm going to take every situation and work it for my glory and my honor. You live under that sovereign hand of God and you'll recognize a call upon your life and God can use you. I was speaking to a young lady just this last week and explaining this to her. They're in some difficulty. They're facing some challenges. They're a little discouraged. And I said, you know what? If you just turn this around and recognize that, that God has you there and God has a purpose and God has a design and you'd live in submission and surrender to him, you'd instead of whining, you'd get a sense of Direction. He's calling you in these places to serve him. You think about the people that are hearing this message from Paul. Many of these individuals maybe found themselves in Rome because they traveled from the villages where they're at and they'd come to the gospel because someone had traveled into their village where they worshipped all kinds of various gods, but they were becoming less and less impressed with those gods. There was a diminishing of a value and a cynicism was growing up in the Roman world for all the various gods that they worshipped. They hadn't delivered they didn't deliver for the Greeks, they weren't delivering for the Romans. Now some stranger comes into the community and he's declaring this message of a Savior who's come, a Messiah who's come, who's died and risen from the grave and he, he shows up at their little gate or in front of their home and how odd and how strange in this world in which they lived in which life didn't turn really fast. It just kind of went along as it went along from one generation to the next and, and now this figure shows up to their doorstep proclaiming this unique and odd message but there something comes over their mind. This This rang with truth. This answered deep longings within our life, and this had to be planned for them. This had to be God's will for them. What these early converts to the Lord Jesus were understanding is the same thing that Paul understood. There was a sovereign call of God upon their lives. He had orchestrated the moment, the time, the place, the people who brought to them the words of everlasting life. God had prepared them for that hour and they had answered his call and had been saved. This awareness solidified them in their commitment to Christ. They were not blips in time. They were destination points in God's sovereign plan for the ages. And so they stood fast and were faithful. Well, we'll consider more of this in our next broadcast, but until then, keep in mind that the ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism is taking this same gospel to strange places still today in India, Central and East Asia, Africa, and Central and South America, and more. And as the gospel arrives, the call of God comes again and again and again. You can learn how you can help us in this mission by going to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until our next time together, Around the Bread of Life, may God bless you.